the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista. I'm Ian Collins. This is episode 11 that we are recording now. Uh, we'll come on to the salient theme of this one. You're probably ahead of us on this and guess what that might be. But if you're unfamiliar with this podcast, frankly, shame on you. This is all about the views, thoughts, campaigns and ideas of one man. Dale Vince is an entrepreneur and an environmentalist. He's built a success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company. He's also the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. More on that in a few moments and uh, Dale I alluded to it there in the intro I mean this really is there is one there's only one story in town yeah of course it's the virus crisis isn't it which is obviously global and uh, some big stuff been happening in our country in the in the last few days I mean we're we're not quite in the same lockdown state as uh, other European countries but we're we're starting to get there now Uh, and from my perspective as an environmentalist you know I'm seeing all kinds of um, upsides if you like to the to the crisis not to diminish it you know i know it's actually life and death for people i get that but um you know the skies are empty of plane contrails for example Mm -hmm. which is a very visible sign of the downturn in the uh, the flying business uh you know which is making uh will be making a big difference to airborne pollution very few cars on the road now that schools have been shut down you know the air is cleaner the skies are clearer and for me it shows what we're capable of doing as a country and as a world in fact when we're faced with something that we perceive to be a very real and imminent threat to life. And unfortunately, climate change has never been that. It's always been a bit distant in space and time, something that we think either probably won't happen or we've got plenty of time to deal with. But actually, if we could tackle it like we've been tackling this virus crisis, then, um, blimey, we we could do it in no time. The amount of money our government pledged this week alone, 330 billion to tackle the virus, is one third of all we need to get to being a zero carbon economy, one third. It's interesting. I mean, we'll come back to the um, the, 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 the kind of government response in a second. I, I guess I'm reading a lot about this, like as we all are, Dale, at the moment. And one of the, I suppose, a kind of a counter to all of this um, is that, and somebody wrote recently, this is the world extinction rebellion want to live in. And they were using this not as a positive. They were saying, yes, there are no flights and our economy is right now not fascinated in a ludicrous disproportionate manner in growth however we're all in prison and there's the downside yeah well i think that's an odd way to look at things i mean extinction rebellion we've saved the lizards but we're in jail dale that's the trouble but but extinction rebellion are i mean the key is in the name it's a rebellion to prevent extinction this isn't the world that extinction rebellion want to live in uh, in terms of you know the the threat to life and the lockdown and stuff like that but this is the kind of world we could be living in if we don't tackle climate change there are aspects of this crisis that as environmentalists we all welcome less traffic less flying that kind of stuff the really important thing for me is what happens when this crisis is over which you know it probably will be in let's say maybe six months time can we carry this can-do mentality into the fight against climate change Uh, that's the big deal for me or will the economy 
trump everything else in terms of interest? I hope not, because what we need to do is build a green economy, uh, fight the climate change, uh, fight the climate crisis, and actually we can build a great life for ourselves. It's not about giving stuff up. It's not about not being able to drive or go places or leave your house and that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, and that's the challenge. It's, it's always been the challenge in terms of arguing the cause. Some people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, uh, fighting climate change means you want us to go back to living in caves and, you know, ridiculous stuff like that. And and that's just just such a huge misconception because we can have a great standard of living in a green economy and be living more sustainably and in harmony with the climate. Yeah, and it's interesting just to go back to, you know, what the government have been saying. In, in many respects, they, they've kind of made a rod for their own back, in, which might turn out to be a huge positive because... Never again can they use the excuse that there is no money or this can't be done because they've now set this almighty precedent which shows everybody that if you really need to make seismic changes, you can make seismic changes and you can make them quite quickly. Indeed. I saw somebody on social media say, uh, not only have they found the magic money tree, they've found the magic money forest, <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, which is quite right. Ten years ago, we were told... Uh, you know, there was no money. We had to have this program of austerity. It was off the back of the financial crash. The response to that is the polar opposite of the response to this crisis. And credit the government for that, because they're pouring money into the economy to support jobs, to support people's incomes. So that when we do come out of this, uh, you know, virus period, we'll still have businesses and people will still be able to spend money. We'll still have an economy uh, that we can that we can rebuild much faster. I hope we rebuild it in a green fashion. But what we won't have is a huge depression because there are no jobs and no industry and nobody has any money. It's an amazing piece of work. I was thinking the other day, it's like aliens have abducted the Conservative Party. You know, these aren't, these aren't the people that we used to know. This is the polar opposite of how they responded to the last great crisis in our country. Now it's all about the people and supporting everybody. And we really are all in this together, which is, you know, just incredible. Yeah, I've kind of developed a man crush on Rishi Sunak. I mean, is that a, is that a bad thing? I'm, I'm watching this guy. I'm kind of mesmerized. My eyes widen every time he steps up to the podium. And he's here he whips out another bag of money. And, and it isn't just that. I mean, I've genuinely sensed in him far more than boris johnson uh, that he's kind of slightly across it and gets it yeah i think it took the government a little while to get it you know the first pledge was for 12 billion of support while france and germany had pledged 300 and 400 billion respectively and you know a few days later i think our government got it and said you know what we've got to go big uh, because this is such a huge threat uh, to to everybody and everything actually and I've got to come back to the same point. You know, if we can if we can spend 330 billion in let's say six months because of this crisis, that's one third of the 30 year budget to fight the climate crisis and become zero carbon. It's, it's 10 years of our climate crisis budget that we actually need to have. And before the virus hit, uh, all we would really normally hear about this is it was too expensive. You know, we couldn't take the economic hit, which is about one to two percent of GDP. Blimey, that looks nice now, doesn't it? Um, and and generally, you know, we couldn't make the behavioural changes either. And what this crisis shows is that we can do all of those things. And actually, we don't need to do them to this extent. We don't have to change our behaviour this much or spend this much money every year to get to climate neutral. And for me, that's a really exciting, empowering uh, outcome of this current crisis. Uh, and of course, the, all of this is—I mean, everything you say and 
people listening to this will think, well, that's a very optimistic way of looking at it. And, you know, let's hope it does kind of rewire or recalibrate something about the human condition and how Western governments act and interact, etc. But of course, you know, governments have historically been not very good at learning lessons. And we know from 2008, there was an almighty shock in the financial markets. And many thought, well, this is the point they're going to realize that actually, you know, we can't be giving away uh, money left, right and center in the way we were and having a life on credit cards in the way that we were and writing a mortgage application on the inside of your leg and have it approved at the cross of a biro etc we're going to learn from this and then here we are a few years later and we didn't learn from it so there is precedent for not learning even though you've outlined what a world could look like if they do adhere to where we are yeah i think politics and business as usual often gets in the way i take inspiration for what happened the last time that we came together as a country and we faced an existential threat, World War II. At the end of that war, there was a landslide Labour government and the NHS was born because of this spirit of community and being in it together. This common cause that everybody had during the war carried through into life and politics after the war. And I don't think our country will be the same again after this virus crisis. Do you, is it likely that, I mean, lots of people might listen to this, um, for those who don't buy into the kind of thing we talk about on a, a regular basis now, they might just stumble across this and think, hang on a second, look, people are dying here. People are lonely. People are isolated. They can't get their hands on basic food and provision. This is not a good thing. This is not a moment to talk about your ideal future or what you think this utopian world could look like. This is a crisis, and it's one we wish we weren't in. How, what would you say to those people who are reading this in that kind of way? I would say... Millions of families live in poverty today and struggle to feed their children anyway. Austerity has imposed these kinds of conditions on millions of us already. The National Health Service was on its knees already. People die every day. 40,000 people a year die from air pollution and we do nothing about it. So yes, this is a tragedy. The, the virus crisis is killing and harming people. That happens every day. That's what I would say. And we can't avoid talking about the outcomes, the changes that it could bring. I don't think we should anyway. Um, that's not disrespectful to the scale of the problem. Uh, it's about being realistic and saying, uh, you know, actually, let's use this and change how we live. And if it does change in terms of what the world will look like, fewer flights, no flights, what are we looking at here? Would we get to the point where a government would say, a Boris Johnson government or a Macron government would say, well, look, we've just spent the last three months with very few aeroplanes taking off and the ones that have have mostly been cargo and nobody's been traveling around and we didn't die. Most people carried on in a, a conventional fashion. They adopted to the new norm. What would that look like? Would that be a, a world with just fewer aeroplane flights or none at all? Well, I think we have to transition in that direction. And I would hope that the first thing that happens after this is that there are no airport expansions in Britain. They simply become disallowed. And we say that what we've got is the most that we're ever going to have in terms of capacity. But I think this isn't completely in the hands of government anyway, because we, the people, will come out of this period and we will change our behaviour. I think people will question the travelling that they used to do, the value of it, the merit of it. And I think the airline industry, in any event, will struggle to find customers after this crisis is over. But I do hope that the government says, look, it doesn't make sense to have a third runway at Heathrow while we're trying to fight the climate crisis. Yeah. Um, 
and we know we've got to reduce emissions from flying, how can it make sense to, to increase capacity? So you when you say common sense will break through. When you say they won't have that, that capacity, won't they? You mean people won't want to travel? They won't be able to afford to travel? Or because we will be so enamoured by a new narrative that we won't want to do it? It's like having a break from something, isn't it? Whenever you do that, it gives you the chance to, to, to look at it with a different perspective. I think people will fly less as a result of uh, stopping flying now. And, you know, the, the pandemic itself has been caused by our propensity for mad amounts of travel. You know, we spread it around the globe in like no time because of the airline industry. What do you think the, uh, the, the issue with food? I mean, food is something we've talked about a lot, food transportation, food waste, um, the futility of, uh, of certain aspects of the food industry. Uh, how is that likely to change from this, Dale? Can you, can you see a, a, a correlation in the Venn diagram where food will be a huge game-changing element of this story? I can't see that. It doesn't uh, appear to have been a feature yet of, of where we're at. I mean, we haven't got food shortages, for example. A bit of panic shopping, uh, yes, but no proper food shortages. So I can't see at the moment that we'd be reappraising where our food comes from, uh, how we grow it and that kind of stuff. Of course, giving up meat and dairy is a big part of fighting climate change. That won't go away. But I don't think it's had a role to play um, in, in this current problem. Mm. So that will still be put in the tray of lessons still need to be learned. Yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's part of that green economy shift that we have to make. You know, there are other things that farmers can be doing. We can repurpose that industry, stop the meat and dairy, uh, have a huge impact on emissions and on human health and on animal rights and welfare. I mean, uh, it would be an amazing transition to make. And then there's green gas as well. You know, we've got enough marginal grassland to grow enough grass, to make enough gas, to power all of the 26 million homes in Britain. That's an enormous part of the green economic shift that we need to make. And that will involve n nearly 100,000 new jobs in the rural economy. Mm. Um, so these, it's, it's like a swords into plowshares kind of uh, moment, if anybody remembers CNG sure. from back in the day. Yeah. So just, just to be clear then, for anybody who's listening to this thinking, you know, is Dale Vince enjoying this whole saga of what's happening to our world? You're clearly not. What you're saying is that you can see going forward once this is over that we could have carved out a new template of how the human race does business. Yeah, that, I think that would be that would be fair. Um, I look past all immediate problems to uh, what it is we need to be doing and how we get there. And uh, there's just the way I'm wired. You know, I've got a, a, not a pessimistic outlook. I'm, I'm a realist. I'm driven by logic. Um, and, you know, I'm not afraid of the current circumstances that we're in. I think a lot of people are driven by fear and I understand mm. that but I don't suffer from that and um, so for me it's all about uh, getting on with the job yeah after all the climate crisis if it comes if we don't prevent it it's got to be 10 or 100 times worse than what we're experiencing now and it will endure for generations it's a monstrous problem yeah in, in terms of diversification have you thought about going into the toilet roll industry because that's <laughs> clearly shares in Andrex I think are through the roof at the moment Dale yeah, all very well monkeying around with a windmill but you need to get onto that little labrador pup and a toilet roll because that's where, <laughs> that's where the game changing narrative is uh, driven by panic blind obviously it's, it is extraordinary isn't it I mean, more, more, the disproportionate amount of, of loo roll that has been purchased even I mean pasta seems to be the next big uh, big area where people have cleaned the shelves but even but by more loo roll than we are food so I mean without going into the grimy details that there's a you know, that, that's just bad science isn't it you know, 
know, there, there could be a health benefit here from this crisis. You asked me the question a moment ago about food, but, you know, pubs and restaurants uh, are shut down. People will be drinking less. They're, they will be eating different food, uh, you know, food they've made themselves. It could yeah. change the way people uh, look at their diets and, and the habits that they have. It's interesting, even on a just a very small point, I, I've noticed just going to the fridge and cooking, there's stuff that you might have thrown away. So you, you cook, a, I don't know, you make your, your kid beans on toast and there's a third of the beans left in the tin. That might have been thrown away a couple of weeks ago as, well, we won't use that again. Now it's put in the fridge. And it's only a small thing. I'm just talking about one man and one fridge here. Um, you extend that over all the various foodstuffs you have in your cupboards and your freezer, etc. And it's just, it's kind of just been a very subtle education because this is what my nan would have done. She wouldn't have thrown anything away because that was their mentality. And then we got into this over-disposable kind of ideology where everything can be replaced. It doesn't matter. We just go and buy a new one. And in a very short period of time, I found personally just adapting to a new norm, as it were, even if it is things like just saving that little bit of food and using it on the next meal. It goes back to the Second World War as well, doesn't totally, it? You know, totally, totally. time of real food shortage, uh, nothing was thrown away. People grew their own veg, and actually, I know people that are doing that now. Actually, we were about to start doing that ourselves. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we may see that change as well. Maybe we will all take more responsibility for where our food comes and for, for what it sure. is that we waste. Yeah, I mean, these are all great things, actually. It's, a, I think, a very sobering moment for us as a species, uh, and hopefully it will serve as a wake-up call. Just a final point before we get on to football. Um, I think we should take a moment to hear how the President of the United States, he's changed his tone slightly, but it is worth reminding ourselves of what he thought of coronavirus. I think we have it very well under control. We have very little problem in this country at this moment. Well, we pretty much shut it down coming in from China. We're going to see what happens, but we did shut it down, yes. You know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat, as the heat comes in. We're in great shape. We have it very much under control in this country. Because of all we've done, the risk to the American people remains very low. The hoax is on them. Not, I'm not talking about what's happening here. Certainly not referring to this. How could anybody refer to this? This is very serious stuff. Anybody that needs a test can have a test. They're all set. Are you concerned that the virus is getting close no, I'm not concerned at all. No, it will go away. Just stay calm. It will go away. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. It's all over the world. It's incredible what's happened in such a short period of time. And I've always known this is a, this is a pandemic. So you don't need experts, Dale. You just need the Trump. Yeah, that, that's our man Trump talking guff yeah. again, isn't it? That's his, uh, that's his specialty. It's a beautiful moment. I can't that's wait for black that. belt. Tru- black belt in guff. <laughs> Double down. <laughs> <laughs> black belt in guff. Um, finally, the world of sport has taken a hit. Everything from the London Marathon to the Olympics and, of course, Football League in this country. You are the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. I think you were slightly ahead of the game on this, but... Uh, no one's kicking a ball this weekend. No, that's right. We've been shut down uh, as an industry, really, sport, uh, but football in particular from early in March. The leagues have got together and said we're not going to play a game now before the end of April. Uh, that was that was a recent decision, but actually I think they're living on uh, hope 
uh, more than logic in this case because there's no way that we'll resume games um, in uh, late April, early May or this side of the summer in my opinion. So um, hmm. I'm hoping for some realism to break out from the league so that we can declare the next few months absolutely empty of football and we can carry on and dig up our pitch and make preparations for the new season that will one day come because until that happens we're, we're struggling a bit we can't dig the pitch up in case they suddenly say right we've got to play games behind closed doors but we we put the club into hibernation yesterday and none of our people have been able to do anything since early march and yeah. um government came out with this job support um scheme earlier this week uh, which i think is brilliant for the whole country and uh, we're going to use that to keep our people employed and fully paid uh, but stood down while we wait for things to return to normal and we will speak, Dale, on the next episode. Brilliant. Thank you, Ian. And don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you can get all new episodes automatically. Do leave a review as well. Really important bit. Make sure you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. We'll see you on the next one. Zero. Carbon. East off.